welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. And today, as always, I am excited to talk with you. I'm excited to be with you, to be on this journey of fatherhood with you. It is such an important journey, and it's an important journey for us to learn from other dads, too. And today, I'm bringing you another great dad. Uh, Jason Armstrong uh, is with us. He goes by Jay. So Jay is with us today, and we're going to be talking about his journey, not only as a father, but, but also about a rare brain disease that he has been battling and a legacy that he's leaving for his kids. And it's going to be a powerful interview, one that is that I'm hoping that you will learn from as well. And But to start off today, first and foremost, Jay, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, Chris, thanks for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being here and for sharing your journey. And I always start these interviews with an opportunity to look at you as a dad. So I want to turn the clock back in time. And I know you've got uh, three kids. Yes. And... I want to, this is the Dads with Daughters podcast. I want you to turn the clock back in time to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? It's funny you ask that because with my daughter's the oldest, so she's the first child. And for nine months, my wife and I were convinced uh, that we were having a boy. We never found out and we, we don't know why. I think it was everybody was like telling us, hey, you're going to have a boy. And so we thought our daughter was going to be a boy. And sure enough, when they pulled her out, she was a girl. And my wife to this day still talks about that moment in my in my face when the doctor looked at me and said, it's a girl. And my wife said, all the color ran out of my face because I have two other brothers. I've never been really around girls. I didn't have a daughter, obviously. So in that moment was like sheer terror. Like, oh my God, how do I do this thing? So I I think when, when I first learned it was terror. It was terrifying, to be honest with you. I think every dad goes through those moments, whether you have a girl or a boy, but especially when you have a daughter and you don't have that experience having daughters. I have two daughters myself, and I was an only child. So, I mean, I I had no experience with with not only having kids, but being around a lot of kids when I was growing up. Now, as you began to parent your your daughter. Your daughter is your oldest. As you looked at that, I'm sure that there was some fear, some fear out there in regards to raising daughters. Uh, What was your biggest fear in raising daughters in today's society? You know, my biggest fear is and still is communicating with her. She's 13 now. She's a teenager. She's changing almost every day and talking to her not not so much about just you know big things but just feeling comfortable enough to talk to her my sons and i i mean we can goof around and talk about 
sports and jokes and farts, you know. And my my daughter, she's quiet and she's very intelligent, but I want to make sure that I'm always communicating with her. I sometimes I as a dad have to like really look inward to just talk to my daughter. I know that sounds weird, but I think a lot of fathers struggle with that. Like learning how to communicate with a daughter and relate to a daughter who is going through the teen years and that transition into womanhood. That for me is is scary, but I realize that it is so important, so powerful that I keep a line of communication open with my daughter. It is so important. And it's not always easy because, as you said, you know, their experience is much different than your own. But it is so important for them to know that you are there, that you are there to listen, not to solve, but to listen. And and I've said this before with other guests in, in the fact that you know, I know myself, I mean, in having to learn about this, because so many times you go into a conversation and you think, oh, I can solve this. I can help her to be able to do this. And what they really want is you just to listen. And then you smack yourself and be like, oh, I should have just been present. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard this several times before that being present in your child's life is probably the greatest gift that you can give them. It is a great gift. Now, you've got three kids and your daughter is your oldest. I'm sure that you've had some special memories, some things that you've been able to share just with her. What's your favorite memory or favorite thing that you have enjoyed sharing just with her? Well, it's funny you ask because right now we are applying to high school and she wants to go to a very prestigious school and to get in one of the requirements is to do a video and it's a all girls prep school and I think she would do very well there and we have to do this video of why does she want to go to this school and it's been her and I have been doing this together. And it I know it's it's happening right now, so it's not really a memory, but just working together on this video is really cool because we have these moments where we just like brainstorm out loud. And it's so cool because I get to see her grow kind of in front of me. She's very creative, but she's also very quiet. So to see her kind of break out of the shell and be comfortable with me and and silly with me and not afraid to speak her, her mind and to share her ideas. It is a memory that's obviously very, very fresh, but it's one that i got to believe I'm going to remember for a really long time. It sounds like a really special opportunity to be able to, as you said, be present, but also do something very meaningful to her, for her as she prepares for her future. And, and that's an important thing. I mean, it's an important thing that she'll remember forever. 
because you had that opportunity to work together on that. I mentioned at the beginning that you have been battling a a disease, a brain disease called diffuse cerebellar atrophy. And I I know it's a rare degenerative brain disease. I know that not everyone will know about what this is, but I I, I guess let's, before we get into the legacy, I talked about the legacy, which is turned into a book, a book that you've written for your kids. But before we get into that, let's talk about this journey you've been on with this disease and and how that's not only impacted you, but impacted your family. And I guess, let me know a little bit more about this disease too. Sure. So I was diagnosed in 2013. And before that, I mean, I didn't have any problems, any symptoms with with my brain. I played sports all the way through college. I was active as a young adult. And then in 2013, when I was 33, believe it or not, I was on the uh, soccer field. I was coaching varsity high school soccer, and I just didn't feel right. I I didn't. And now keep in mind, it was August and very hot. And I thought I might have been dehydrated. So I um, went inside the building in the air condition and I had to go up a flight of stairs to my office. And when I got to that flight of stairs, I froze. I could not move. I, I couldn't. My brain couldn't compute. Moving your right leg up, your left leg up, it just, my brain didn't work. And in that moment, I was terrified. I'd never experienced anything like this before. And I remember I I literally pulled myself up those stairs with my arms, dragging my legs. And when I finally got upstairs, I was almost in tears and I was sweating profusely. And I had to hold on to a railing to navigate the hallways to my, my, my office. And it was at that moment that I knew something was terribly wrong. Now, being being a male and having a male ego, I was afraid to go to the doctor. I, I just... You know, I, I didn't want to hear the bad news, so I I delayed a few days, and yet I complained to my wife. I said, something is not right. My balance was off. My strength, I didn't have any strength. Navigating stairs for a few days was a real, real struggle. So I finally went to the doctor, and a few days later, I had an MRI of my brain, and... A few days after that, they he called me and he said, "Look, man, I I got bad news. You you got a degenerative brain condition, and part of your brain, your cerebellum, which controls your motor functions, controls your eyesight and your speech." He said that is in really bad shape, and you need to see a neurologist right away. So a few days after that, this is like. Early October of 2013, I I saw a neurologist who I've been seeing now since, you know, for eight years. And he took one look at my MRI. I'll never forget it. And he looked at me and he asked me, how are you here right now? And I responded with, 
you know, are you, is this like a philosophical question, you know? And he's, no. Based on these images, you're either dead or you're in a hospital bed. And what he said that day has always been with me. And in a way that is kind of like my mantra, my my tenant, uh, my maxim. I, I go back to that almost every day. You should be dead or in a hospital bed. And that has really kind of guided my living. So... Over the last eight years, I've struggled. There have been some real low moments. You know, I'm slowly losing the ability to walk. My motor skills are declining. I kind of hit peaks and valleys. I can be good for a while. And then something would happen. For example, I, I fell last October. I fell and I tore my rotator cuff. Now, unfortunately, with having a a movement disorder, uh, and I, I I tend to fall a lot. My broken bones, I tore my rotator cuff. So having any major surgery is going to be a problem because of falling. So if I had surgery on my shoulder and I fell while I was still healing, that would, that would be awful. So there have been moments of real literal and figurative pain yet you know I realize that I should be dead in a hospital bed and I'm not so I'm alive so I gotta make the most of of the time I have. So I'm sure in going through these last eight years as you said there's been highs and lows and I'm sure one of the hard points is talking to your family talking to your kids about this and the impact that it has for them. Talk to me about that and the journey that you've had to go on with your kids to help them not only understand, but also help them to understand the reality of what what this means. Yeah, um, they were young when I was diagnosed. My youngest, when I was diagnosed, was two months. So he has always known me to struggle. And I now have a cane. And there are certain things, movements that I can't do anymore. And they've really, they've come to accept it. My littlest one is only eight. And he hasn't really asked any questions. He just knows, you know, there's something wrong with dad. And he's just come to accept it. My middle is now 11. And very similar. He just knows dad is... You know, something's wrong with dad. My 11-year-old has started to ask questions about what is actually wrong with me. And, you know, I'm very open with them. I've learned that hiding devastating news can have adverse effects on children. Now, I understand they're, they're young and maybe they don't understand everything. But there's that old saying... You know, you understand when you're older. And sometimes we say that to just ignore a problem. But I think you have to explain this news to your children. So with my middle son, he's seen all this and he's witnessed it. And he's asked a few questions. And in fact, I fell a week ago. 
and I fell into a a sliding glass mirror in in my bedroom. I fell into it and I broke it and there's cracks all over it. And my son came in. He's like, did you fall again? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And, and then he left. So it's almost for them, it's, you know, it's it's life. They've come to accept it, which I'm very grateful for. Now, my daughter, she kind of knew me before this all happened. So she has witnessed my change and her and I, we've had several heart to hearts, but like I said, she's quiet and she internalized a lot. And there was a, a moment about a year ago where she, I heard her say she can't do something. And then we sat down and I explained to her like, I can't is a phrase I personally say every day, I mean, it. I can't do a lot of things, yet I have to learn to persevere. So my daughter and I have had heart-to-hearts, and I, I, between you and I, Chris, they're, they're not easy conversation to have, but they're so important. I think children at a young age need to know that their parents are not supermen and they're not flawless they are flawed people who are struggling just like they will struggle in in the future i think that's so important to understand and it's important an important message and lesson that i think you're sharing with your kids now i know that as you've gone through this you have started and worked on and created a i'm going to say a legacy something that you're leaving for your kids called Bedtime Stories for the Living. And talk to me about this book that's coming out in uh, on December 3rd, 2021. And talk to me about the thought process behind wanting to leave this, but also what you're trying to do to be able to leave behind. Yeah. So it all starts with storytelling. Um, I have always been interested in the stories of my parents and my grandparents. I love learning that family history. And I I believe that when you learn this history, you, you get a sense of who you are and and where you come from. And I think learning those stories builds a resistance, you know, in you. That you come from a family and come from people who have struggled, have experienced the highs and lows of life. So it all started there. And for years, I've been wanting to write a book, not just for like eight years, but, you know, for 25, 30 years, I always wanted to write a book. But I never knew, you know, what to write about. You know, I, I, I'm not a sci-fi fantasy. I, I, you know, I'm not a fiction writer. I, I am a non-fiction writer. And I wanted to write something that I, I, I really loved. And then I got sick. And then the word dead or death, you know, started filling my vocabulary. And I had three young children at the time. 
And I knew that if I was going to die soon, I would take to my grave all these stories that I never got to tell my kids. And that's really how it started. It started with writing down the stories I want my kids to know about me, about their mom, about themselves, stories they forget. You know, life is a long journey that goes by very, very quickly. And we forget a lot of our past. And yet the past helps us fortify the present and makes us resilient in the future. And so I wanted to write a book of memories. You know, it's almost like a scrapbook. Remember those old scrapbooks when you would go on vacation, you take pictures and get them developed and put them in those plastic sleeves. I, I want to create a book about stories and why stories are so important. And and as the book evolved, I realized there was a much broader audience than just my family that need to learn about storytelling and why sharing stories is such an important part of, of life. You know, storytelling is so important. I mean, I, I this podcast alone tells stories every week when we put the stories of fathers out there, and I think we all learn from stories. I mean, you think back to the beginning of human history, and oral storytelling was how people learned, but also how they grew and developed and and became more evolved. So I think it is, you've hit the nail right on the head in regards to the importance, not only for your kids, but for everyone to be able to find their own stories and to be able to identify how they can tell story, tell their story. Now, if somebody wants to find this book in December or beyond, um, what's the best way to find out about this or about, about you in general? Sure. So the book will be available on Amazon on December 3rd. After December 3rd, it will be on other uh, outlets such as it'll be available in ebook. It'll also be available in bookstores and libraries after December 3rd. You're going to be able to find me at writeonfighton.org or on Facebook's Twitter at Right on Fight on. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we ask you five questions to delve a little bit deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. In one word, what is fatherhood? Communication. Now, when was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? During COVID, my daughter and I, obviously, everybody was kind of trapped in their home. And I started this it's on my blog actually i started this it's called blackout poetry that's when you take a page or from a printed book and you take a marker to it and you black out certain words and you make a poem and i noticed that my daughter during covid was spending a lot of time watching tv and I said, well, hey, I got this idea. What if you and I did some poetry together? Now, my daughter is um, a fairly strong writer, and she's expressed some interest in being a writer. 
So I, I we spent, I don't know, two months working on poems. And again, you can go to my blog and check out those poems. But that was a really cool time where I felt like, you know what? I did something. I did something good because my daughter not only learned about poetry and, and what it takes to write a poem, but we had conversations, her and I, about COVID, about how the world is changing. And in those moments, I, I feel like I succeeded. Now, if I was to talk to your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? Um, funny, present, food shopper. Even though that's not really a word, but yes, I keep the uh, house well stocked with food. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? My dad. Now, you've told your story and and you've definitely given some, some pieces of advice that I think that other dads are going to resonate with. But in leaving today, as you look at your own fatherhood journey, what advice would you give to other dads? Be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be human uh, with your kids. So many times, fathers, I, I, I think men in general, we internalize a lot and we live in silence. We fear shame. And, and so we're kind of conditioned to put up our guard Keep everything inside until something negative happens. And it's something that I'm working on and being, you know, my condition has almost forced me. No, it has forced me to be vulnerable and accept the things I don't want to accept and and talk about the things that are bothering me. Talk about the changes in my life. So my advice to any dad is, I think being vulnerable in front of your kids is so powerful because it's going to show them how to behave that that they can, by being vulnerable, they are actually being strong. And I think that is such an important takeaway for any new dad. Well, Jay, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here, for sharing your own journey, and for writing the book that you've written, because I think that it's going to be a powerful testament to your own fatherhood, but also something that will help other dads to be able to tell their own stories and share their own stories with their own kids, which is so important. And I wish you all the best. Great. You too, Chris. Again, thanks for having me here. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. 
world is full of tiny screaming passengers. We spend the time, we give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A game, 'cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and musclemen, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.